0: Blog Talk Radio. Take a <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer radio show brought to you by Calm Bock Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, sponsored by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all-natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at ComboxFeeds.com That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H Feeds.com Or order your
1: layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer.
0: All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with The Chicken Whisperer. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got uh, our wonderful regular guest, Dr. Bridget McCray, Ph.D., she's going to be uh, joining us here in a few minutes talking all about things that can poison our chickens. Uh, get that pen and paper ready, folks, after the uh, first official commercial break. Uh, we'll bring her on, and you're going to take some notes uh, about this. Lots of suggestions, lots of ideas, lots of things that can possibly poison our chicken. So now it's going to be a hot show. It's going to be a popular show. Get that pen and paper ready. Uh, we definitely want you to do that. Um, I'm going to go over to my website here. Uh, I believe my wife told me that it was absolutely up and running, uh, the 2016 tour info page. And let's see. I just want to let you know where I'm going to be next week. Uh, this is our fall tour sponsored by Call Feeds. Do a big spring tour, a big fall tour every single year, and uh, this year is no exception. But I'm kind of in my old stomping grounds here, being uh, the tours in the southeast. Uh, got three events in Georgia, so it looks like uh, this coming Tuesday, August the 9th, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, I will be out at the Coweta County Fairgrounds, uh, and that's going to be that event's going to be sponsored by uh, Arnall Grocery. It's a feed and seed, I'm sure, out there in uh, Coweta County. And uh, the Arnall Grocery, uh, the event's going to be held at the Coweta County Fairgrounds, 275 Pine Road in Noonan, Noonan, Georgia, down 85 uh, south of Atlanta. So uh, that's this Tuesday, August 9th. Then Wednesday, August 10th, uh, Wednesday, 2.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at Swint, Indeed. that's in Jonesboro, Georgia, 252 North Main Street in Jonesboro, Georgia, 630 to 830 p.m. on Wednesday, next Wednesday, August 10th. A couple of things going on Thursday, Thursday, August 11th, next Thursday, from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. There will not be a radio show uh, during that time, but there will be a broadcast you can still tune into. I will be down at CDC headquarters. In Atlanta, Georgia, we'll be broadcasting the USDA-CDC global webinar, Countdown to Cooler Weather, from 2 to 3 p.m. You can sign up for that webinar for free. You need to do it. Space is limited. Uh, You can head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Whisperer. and then join us next Thursday, 2 to 3. We're going to be talking about molting and lighting the coop in the winter for maintaining egg production to... um, I've got biosecurity and salmonella and, let's see, what else? Um, uh, The dangers of heating your coop through the winter as we enter into the fall season. And then Thursday night, uh, we're having a big event at Cherokee Feed and Feed. Looking forward to seeing those great folks. Uh, I've actually purchased from them before, back in my Atlanta days. Uh, That's Thursday, August the 11th, 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., 2370 Hightower Road, which is Highway 369. For you locals, Ball Ground, Georgia, Cherokee, Feed and Seed. That's next Thursday, the 11th. Then we'll take the weekend off, and then it looks like we've got four more events, and we're looking at Tennessee. Coming up back up to Rocky Top Bay, Tennessee, Feed and Seed, 3415, New Highway 68, Madisonville, Tennessee. That's Monday, August 15th. p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Then we head over to South Carolina. Uh, We've got uh, Tuesday, August 16th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. That's Tuesday, August 16th, Great American Supply. And the event's going to be at the Davenport. I guess you locals know where and what that is. The event will be held at the Davenport, though Great American Supply will be hosting that. It's at 230 Trade Street, Greer, South Carolina. Wednesday, August 17th. 6.30 630 to 830. I'll be at um Hunter's Trace Farms. Twenty six. Oh. I heard a little beep. Not sure what that means. Let me see. Maybe you have a message coming in, maybe. I see what it is. <laughs> Forget it. Okay. Um, let's see, Barnyard, no, I'm sorry, Hunter's Trace Farms, 2618 Liberty Hill Road. Twenty six eighteen Liberty Hill Road. Tamden, South Carolina, 29020. That's going to be 100 Trace Farm sponsoring that Wednesday, August 17th. And then it looks like we got Barnyard Feed and Supply. Barnyard Feed and Supply. Um, it's Thursday, August 18th. 239, Highway 78 in Ridgeville, South Carolina, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. So the times kind of fluctuate. It's either a 6 o'clock or a 6.30 p.m. start time. That lasts two hours, maybe a little bit over after uh, we get done with pictures, autographs, and the book signing and whatnot, but uh, it looks like we got um, in in this order uh, Noonan, Georgia, Jonesboro, Georgia, uh, Ballground, Georgia, Madisonville, Tennessee, Greer, South Carolina, Camden, South Carolina, and Ridgeville, South Carolina. Okay, so we got all of that. And um, Sounds like a plan. That's where we am going to be. It's a great event. We have a great time. Two-hour workshop, um, trivia and prizes for participants, questions and answer sessions, book signing. Um, if you want the book, $20 bill, come on in. I'll autograph it for you. Walk out. It's going to be an awesome event. And um, snacks. It's going to be cool. Come on out. Have a good time. Well, it may not be cool because we're in the South and it's August. <laughs> but it'll be a fun time. Okay, let me get on with that. And again, today... Uh, here just a few minutes after our first official commercial break. Uh, Less commercial breaks here on the show than FM and AM radio and television. We only take two commercial breaks, and we're about to do that now to uh, honor our sponsors that make this show possible. But stay with us during the commercial break. Get that pen and paper ready. we come back, we're going to be talking about things that can poison your chicken. So um, we'll see you right after this short break the Yardbird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The 1.5-horsepower motor and 20-inch stainless steel tub can handle two 8-pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance-free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardbirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardbirdChickenPluckers.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's w-a-r-e-m-f-g-i-n-c.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. When you need an incubator, think Brensey, the incubation specialists. Brensey has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at brincea.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Give the <laughs>
1: Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with a Chicken Whisperer.
0: And the Mighty Bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Calm Mock Feed. So, um, hey, it's time to go over the phone lines. We've got poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCrae, PhD. We're talking all about things that could poison your chickens. So hopefully you got your pen and paper ready to take some notes for one of the phone lines right now. And we'll welcome longtime guest, co-author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, our good friend, Dr. McCrae. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Hey, Andy. Hey, i uh, sorry about yesterday, and to my audience as well. I had totally forgotten that I was speaking at uh, a Rotary luncheon yesterday, uh, actually in Habersham County, Georgia. And um, it didn't take too long to do, but and I probably could have gotten here by two o'clock, but I ended up not because somebody right after my uh, session came up to me and says, "Do you mind coming by and taking a look at my coop and looking at it and uh, tell me what you <laughs> think." All that kind of stuff. And I Isn't said, that the uh, way it goes? <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, sure. She's a really nice lady. And a uh, beautiful coop. Her her husband is a home builder, so you can imagine. Oh. But they said that um um taking her heat regarding predators and he was we they he I mean it was amazing. They they had a concrete slab. He said the slab was ready for this twenty inches deep. So um what? <laughs> twenty inches. Yeah, twenty inches deep for this concrete slab. He said nothing's getting through or under this sucker. And yeah. then of course they yet mounted the frame to that. Uh, he had hardware cloth. And I uh, gave him a few more suggestions regarding uh, the wintertime and drafts and things like that. But, uh these chickens are being quite spoiled. So, um, but yeah, I had a good time yesterday. And uh, but but I knew we had to schedule the show this week because people were like, oh, I, w- I wanted to I wanted to hear about all this th- these these risks and you know, things that may poison my chickens and you know and it could be oh wow and, and and I love it when over the years people say, oh chickens are smart enough to know what to eat and not to eat. <laughs> At least they're smart. They, they're smart enough to know what's good for them and what's not good for them. But obviously, Dr. McRae, they haven't been to a diagnostic lab to see all the stuff. A lot of them have a little jar of stuff that they take out of chickens when they do knee proxies yeah. and Bolts and nuts and screws and earrings and styrofoam pellets and nails yeah. and all <laughs> stuff. And so, uh, yeah, sure, they know what's good for them and not good for them. So. But... Um, but, yes, so this is a fabulous show. I don't think we've ever done this show before. I think we've had segments. No, we haven't. Show, maybe uh, plants that are good or bad, but I don't think we've ever done this show before, so I'm, I'm really excited.
1: Well, I'm going to talk about things that can poison your chickens as well as poisonous plants, which is in our book, Andy. And so I think I'll start with the poisonous plants. Um, for those of you who have the book in there, it has photographs. As well as the names, uh, both the scientific name and the common name, <clears throat> of some plants that can do harm to your birds. Um, of course, it may not take much, or it may take a great deal, to cause poison your your flock to be poisoned. Um, and you know, chickens don't have a whole lot of taste buds, so for them to pick up what we might detect is extremely bitter, they may not be able to detect the same way. So, and the other thing you have to consider here, a lot of the time, something that is poisonous to humans or poisonous to cattle is not necessarily going to affect chickens the same way. Usually, there's a list of things that affect um, ruminants and they do not have the same potent effect as on chickens. So yes, something that may be really bad for a cow, a goat, or a sheep to eat, well, for a non-ruminant, it may not be as bad. But then you also have to take into account the factor of body weight. So there's a lot of factors, including uh, season, and what poisons are in what parts of the plants, whether you have a ruminant animal, whether you have a non-ruminant animal, and the size and weight of that animal. All these things have to be figured out if you think you've got a, a poisoning going on. So out west, listeners, we all know you are going through a drought. So a lot of times you get concentrations of certain Um, chemicals in parts of a plant that may not normally during any other season be there in such high concentrations. So these are things to consider. Um, It's a pretty big picture out there. So, you know, something you see growing in your yard you think is really pretty, you know, don't let your chicken go over there and eat that mushroom. It may not be the kind of mushroom you want your chickens to be pecking at. Um... And so, think about uh, edible portions of a plant, the roots of a plant, the seeds or pods on a plant. Uh, So, as your chickens move through your gardens, you know, there may be something planted there that they really shouldn't be pecking at. And so, when you start to see signs or symptoms in your birds, take them to the vet it may not be just a cold. It may not be something that you can throw an antibiotic at them. It may be something where you need to move and move quick. So make sure and you act- do your. Yeah, Andy? I was gonna say, and
0: act- I was gonna say, and actually, come uh, January first,
1: uh, the next few months,
0: the the yeah, uh, we know about the directive, so it's uh, they, they won't be able right. to just walk in. The store and buy these antibiotics. They're they're used to uh, the water soluble ones anyway, and so uh, yeah, they, they, we've had shows on this directive. We've had shows on all possible alternatives uh, with uh, Peter Brown and and that type of thing. And we'll cover it again as soon as the first year, the, the new year gets here to refresh refresh everybody's memory. Uh, but yeah, just be, you know, being able to just
1: and it may be just a matter of hours that you have to take action. So if you haven't taken the time. To find a veterinarian who will see your chickens, then you're you're not really doing due diligence by your pets, and you need to go ahead and do that because you never know what could you know what seed could be dropped in your yard by a wild bird and it starts to grow and your chickens don't need to be pecking at. Um, prime example: corn cockle, which is a little purplish pinkish flower, Agrostemma. Um, Gitnago, i don't know if i pronounced that correct uh githago, i think um it's called corn cockle and it's really bad for um for poultry um but it can also affect cattle goats humans and um you know it's uh, the parts that are poisonous are the seeds and it's the primary po- poison is gifagin or Githagin, um Other things that we are commonly familiar with, foxglove, nightshade, oleander, black locust, and their seeds. Uh, Those are all things um, that we wouldn't want our children to eat and therefore probably should not be planted around your yard for your chickens. Because I I remember when my friend Jen, she moved into a a new place and, and she had horses. And I said, and I, and I said, oh, you're gonna have to fence this off. And she looked at the bush and she said, why? And I said, that's oleander. Your horses eat that; they're dead. Mm. And you know it's a pretty plant. Um, and, and it was it was pretty. It was red and and white flowers. You know, each plant alternated along that fence line. But she was like, oh crud. And I said, yeah, you're you're not gonna be able to use that fence right there unless you dig all these up. And she says, Mom's not going to let me dig those up. I'm going to have to fence them out. I'm like, yeah, sorry. But I'm glad I told her about it because she was ready to unload the horses right there. Instead, we had to spend half a day putting fences up. Another another one that's uh, kind of a, a common commonly known as castor bean, um, bladder pod. And I told you about the corn cockle thing that at least when I had sheep, they loved eating vetch. Um, chickens love eating vetch, but too much of it, and they can they can get overwhelmed. So like I've said before, everything in moderation. Uh, thorn apple or jimson weed, that's another one. They have those those big spiky seed pods as well. Um, death camas which is often uh, a nice plant to use in landscaping but um you know you should probably avoid planting that directly around your coop milkweed um i think milkweed is what butterflies like to munch on uh, monarch butterflies um yeah. but i could ha- i could have that wrong around here we have a problem with pokeberries now birds will eat pokeberries <laughs> and then they will have purple droppings for a good month <laughs> and ends up on your car. Oh, yep, I've seen that. <laughs> and poke berries and poison hemlock, you know, too much of anything and, you know, um, you know, your chickens, you know, they can get they can get into a frenzy sometimes. Um water hemlock or cowbane and um yew is also another one that's in our book, Andy, that we mention are are plants that too much of can cause problems for your your birds. And, you know, it might be fine for you to put them in the front yard, but maybe not the backyard. Um, just know your plants and know what you're getting into. And if you don't know, if if you've got a plant growing in your yard and you don't know what it is, guess what? In your county, you have a cooperative extension office. And usually they've got a master gardener program. They either have a, a telephone helpline Or they might have um, someone in there every day um, earning their continuing education points, and you can bring them a sample of the plant. Sometimes you can even bring them insects that you can't identify, and they'll identify them for you, tell you what it is, so that you can decide what you need to do next. Um, Whether you want to plant more of it or get rid of it, it's up to you. Um, That's a great service they provide here in in Delaware, and I know they, all the surrounding states do a really good job as well. So you just need to find out where your county extension office is. Um, more than likely it's in your county seat, but not necessarily. They might have satellite offices elsewhere that uh, they put into play. Andy, as far as plants are concerned, a lot of people do not realize that um, certain brassicas can cause problems if eaten in too high a quantity. Uh, however, brassicas, when I say that, it's like uh, cabbage, turnips, broccoli, mustard. Uh, these are all things that can end up in the food waste or um, your, your kitchen waste that people throw out for their chickens. Uh, if you've got too much of something and a bird that doesn't use good sense, and they gorge on it, you could have a problem. Now, humans cannot handle too much of the brassica family. Of course, it would take like a tractor-trailer load of cabbage to bring us down. We're not going to be able to pull that off. So how do we get around eating large quantities of cabbage for us? Well, the Germans got around it by fermenting it and creating sauerkraut. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, just think about it, you know, if... it If you can kind of rotate through the brassicas and not necessarily give it to them every day um, in large quantities, make sure they are eating their regular food um, and uh, know that if you are planting these in your garden, because right now is when you might put new cabbage seedlings in the ground, um, they may go over there and eat your seedlings and have no remorse (laughs) what they did to your garden. (laughs) Um so you know roots and seeds you've got um an anemia factor associated with it and then um glucosinolates I probably destroyed that term but um you've got the idea um, and then I did tell you about the black locust um the bark the leaves the seeds yeah they're all problematic for for chickens specifically um and again, you can take a sample of leaves around to your your um extension office and and find out what it is if you don't know what kind of tree you have growing around you. Uh switching gears and Andy, I don't have the chat room open, so if a question pops up, let me know. I will. Switching switching gears um too much of anything? causes, um, you know, problems. Uh, And of course, certain sized birds are more susceptible to things than others. Um, Thankfully, birds are less susceptible than like, say, mammals. Um, So one of the things I've talked about from time to time is uh, aflatoxin that can grow in moldy feed or um, if you've got feed that gets... uh, uh, mishandled or overheated, and moisture develops inside the trash can. You can get a little mold growth, and that's called aflatoxicosis. It's really one of the most common things that happens in poultry production. And it's if you bought a bag of feed smells like mold when you open it, it may have been mishandled or uh, got wet somehow at the store. And you can take that feed back to the feed store and say, hey, look, I detect an odor here, an off odor. Um, please sniff it and, and tell me if you can give me a replacement bag. I don't want to to make my birds sick. And if they detect the same thing you detect, um, they will happily replace that bag because they, they want to maintain a good relationship with you, their customers. Um, certain bacterial species like aspergillus and penicillium, they both produce aflatoxins. They grow really well in feed. and um, They can either grow in, in the feed or they can actually grow on the crops that are used to make the feed or maybe during the storage period between the time that the crop was harvested and before it went to the feed mill, it was maybe put in storage. Um that's when you can sometimes get aflatoxins um or back, or fungal growth um, You get a bird that kind of stumbles around um, they don't eat uh or they're not eating well convulsions um, they just look like they're they don't want to move anymore um and then eventually you just End up with death, and when you open the birds up, um, you can actually see large lesions, um, a huge liver. Um, if you if you had to look at the, all the poultry species, um, all the poultry are susceptible. Ducks and turkeys are really sensitive to it, more so than chickens. So thank, let's be thankful of that. Um, there's there's a lot of things out there as far as ingredients that you can kind of get a little carried away with. I know a lot of your listeners are reading things on the internet and they want to make their own feeds or they don't want to use traditional feeds or they've decided I'm making my own feed because I want to go GMO free. And they, they, they try to to mix everything and little simple errors can cause too much of an ingredient to be added. Like say calcium And we want calcium in our laying hen feeds. Um, But if they take in too much calcium, like, say, in in meat chickens, um, it affects their kidneys. And it ends up with um, urate deposits that start to build up in the abdominal area. So their kidneys can't process all that. Um, And it'll build up in the joints. Uh, Convulsions will start. um, And... If you have calcium levels that are higher than 2%, you can actually start to see lesions in broiler chickens. So feeding calcium above 3% before your egg layers are of egg laying production age will actually start to induce some of those same lesions um, in your laying hens. So that's why we say feed the right feed for their age. So um, they have starter and grower feeds that have a little bit of calcium. But if you're feeding laying hen feed to your baby chicks, uh-uh. You can actually um, kind of hurt them in the long run, especially if there's a miscalculation in the feed somewhere. And if you're making your own feed and you've got the, the calcium levels wrong, you know maybe you were supposed to, to add 1% and you were off by one decimal place and you've got 10% now. That that's a bad situation. It happens. That's why feed companies and feed mills test their feed. Just about every batch is tested so that they don't send out feed that has errors in it. So they do batch testing. If you're going to make your own feed, you should do the same thing just because you're a human being and you make mistakes too and you don't want your birds to suffer for it. Another thing I'm going to talk about, Andy, is ammonia. I think we've talked about this a bit uh, of late. Um, ammonia is a gas, and basically it's it's produced when you have um, uric acid metabolized by bacteria. And uh, uric acid is what ends up, um, urates in the poultry litter, the poultry dropping. So as soon as the dropping hits the ground, it's got bacteria in it. It's got bacteria in the bedding. They start to munch on those urates. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes, in especially in the summertime, you've got ammonia levels that end up being very high. Um, you can also end up with high levels in the winter as well. And we've talked about this, Andy, when you don't have as good ventilation because you want your chickens to stay warm um, right. rather than pulling in fresh air. So, if you're trying to conserve heat, you can end up with high litter moisture. Um, as well. So, if you have elevated ammonia levels, 50 to 75 parts per million, they're going to stop, drink, they're going to stop eating as much. You're going to see a drop in body weights. If you get above 100 per million, burns to the eye will start um, leading to blindness, and then they have a hard time finding food and water. And so that's that's kind of a, a respiratory poisoning that can also end up affecting the eyes of the bird. So technically, that is a poisoning, and I never pointed that out in the past to your listeners. Um, and again, related to good air quality for your birds is carbon monoxide. Um, having good airflow in there can, can prevent... Um, you know, any fumes that that build up. You know, maybe somebody pulls up next to your, your coop to unload feed and leave the truck running because they're taking a phone call and they're hanging out inside the cu- truck because they've got the air condition running, but they don't realize they're pumping gas right into um, exhaust fumes right into the chicken coop, and you want to have good airflow so that you don't end up um, doing harm to your birds. And carbon monoxide can affect chickens as well. Um, So we say the the easiest fix for that is get your birds to fresh air immediately. Um, But if you find that birds are are dead, you're going to see blue around the beak. It's cyanotic, um, bright pink color in the uh, viscera. Uh, So, yeah, you would have to open birds up to really kind of see what's going on there. Um, Let's talk about a different ingredient, copper. Copper sulfate is something that some people give chickens um, and they'll put it in the water or they hear from an old timer, oh yeah, just use copper sulfate. You can get it at the feed store or um, or at the, the nursery. Um, if you give copper sulfate in a single dose of more than one gram, the bird's going to pass on you. Uh, you get watery diarrhea and the bird is listless. Um you get uh burns in the gut, uh and erosions in the lining of the, the gizzard. Um you're gonna get some some greenish, um, mucousy looking material in the intestinal tract and, and this is really um what you will see when you open up the bird after it is passed. And so, you know, if, if they're listless, if there's diarrhea Those are all things that will tell you, hey, I need to take action. Um, Something that a lot of people don't realize is that in certain feed formulations, you can get away with a little bit of cottonseed meal. In chickens, it does something funky to the eggs, um, but there is um, a a little bit of gossip inside cottonseed meal. And... um, if you if you don't treat the cottonseed meal or if you have it at too high a level, um, you can get cardiac symptoms, um, weakness. Though sometimes if you feed cottonseed meal to laying hens, it'll actually cause the egg yolk to discolor and kind of turn green, which is a little bit weird. So <laughs> if you notice some funky colors going on and you're adding some new ingredients and playing around with the feed, just know that that, that is a, a possibility and you just need to be careful. Um, one of the other ingredients I wanted to talk about was mercury. Um, mercury poisonings, um, you know, chickens will run over and peck at shiny things and if you should break, like, say, a mercury thermometer in front of them, or maybe you're cleaning out an old shed and it's got a bottle of mercury in there, and it breaks um, you You could have a problem if they go over and eat it, but there's also mercury that is found in disinfectants and some fungicides um, so you need to be careful when you're when you're looking at the ingredients for things that you would spray around your your farm or your yard. Um, just be aware that you need to look at a lot of things and see. Hmm. All right. Um, are, did I spray something that caused my birds to be, you know, weak or uncoordinated? Diarrhea. Did they? Did I let them out there too soon after spraying? Um, so, if you notice that a bird has eaten mercury, you might see gray around their beak or on their the front of their um, feathers. Uh, around their their breast area um, you know it you can move a little slowly um the bird may live for for maybe a day um if it makes it through this you're going to see it's got ulcerations in the esophagus and the mouth which is probably not going to feel comfortable and they're not going to want to eat um, so it can also cause hemorrhaging so you know, if you notice these things, take action. Um, go see a veterinarian. Explain to them what the bird did, and seek assistance because they'll they'll know what to do. They they have a a, a plan for when animals do these things. Um, and you know, running to the internet may just not be an option. Uh, another thing that we've talked about, Andy, is lead lead poisoning. Yeah, yep. I was going to um, mention that. Yeah. Paint is a source. Um, it can also be found in orchard sprays. Um, metallic lead that uh, is found in like, oh, just a few milligrams, like seven or so milligrams per kilogram of body weight is enough to kill a bird. Um, they like depress, They won't eat. They emaciate. They're going to be thirsty a lot, and there's going to be weakness. You'll see green droppings. And all these things, green droppings, especially you can see within uh, 36 hours of ingestion. Um, You may find that the bird's wings drop. Birds, young birds, may just die within 36 hours. Um, You're going to see in a necropsy. You're going to see greenish brown um, gizzard mucus. Um, In the the gut will be inflamed. Uh, you're gonna see the liver and kidney are just they look terrible um, and if this is something chronic, you might say that the bird is becoming emaciated um the muscles of the heart and the liver start to atrophy uh, you'll see pericardium starts to fill with fluid uh, you know this can also happen with like say wild waterfowl they'll eat lead shot um if they're out on on um, feeding grounds that are, you know, heavily shot over. Uh, and it doesn't take if, more than, say, a few lead pellets in the gizzard that can they can do in a duck. So, I know back,
0: it was probably, wow, I'm trying to think at least five years ago, probably longer than that. And I believe, I can't remember if it was USDA or CDC that had reached out to me and wanting to do a show about Possible lead poisoning. There were some backyard chicken eggs that had been tested, and they tested high in lead. And then apparently their kids were having some problems. You can Google this, uh, listeners, if you want to. Uh, and I want to say it was maybe six years ago, five six years ago. And uh, so so that they they tried to track it back to was it this particular commercial feed they were using, or what, how did that lead get lead get into the eggs? They were eating a lot of eggs, as, and, and and that type of thing. And and when they first reached out to me, and I had talked to them, and they gave me the information they had. I didn't want to play because we don't do this here. We didn't want to play um, this chicken little the sky's falling and, and if I didn't have some information that would warrant a show on it. And so and since then we've done research. We've talked to them about it and uh, they still and we tell folks this uh, uh, often that if you live in a house that was built before uh, and back when lead paint was the only paint that was around and very mm-hmm. popular. Uh, you have your barn maybe your house. Uh, you, you know, you may want to watch your chickens. How they scratch around the base of the foundation. If the, if the house has been repainted, it's been scraped and repainted. The barn, paint chips falling along the foundation of the barn and around. There may be just a higher concentration of lead in your ground. So, um, again, with a lot of stuff, I don't think it's something to worry about. But I think it's educational. It's it's something to have in your brain to look and assess your situation. If you have that old house built and and, and maybe painted many times uh, during lead paint times and era, uh, the barn in the backyard, your chickens like to scrape around the foundation of the house. They can pick up these lead lead paint chips, uh, and they will eat them. And uh, so I think, again, same thing, not... Panic, not worry, but assess your situation based on the information. Because they were talking about possibly the wood, uh, paint chips from the lead-based paint, and the house has been repainted and scraped over the years, maybe have her many times. So uh, that was one possible entry way of lead getting into the eggs.
1: There you have it. Yep. And I figured this might go. be a good lead-in to your commercial break, and then we'll finish up. That's perfect.
0: Folks, today we're talking about things that can poison your chickens and so hopefully you're taking lots of great notes we are guest today is poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCray and um, stay with us because we have a lot more when we come back right after this short break from our sponsors hey it's the chicken whisperer if you're in the market for a new incubator then look no further than GQF They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both Bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at HenSaver.com. That's HenSaver.com.
1: From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H-Feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Calmbox Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. Alrighty,
0: thanks for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with The Chicken Whisperer. As you heard, sponsored by Calmbox Feeds. And uh, we're talking about all things poison. Poisonous things that can harm your chickens. And our guest today, the lovely poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McRae. All righty, Uh, We'll continue and wrap up.
1: Okay. A um, few other things that I wanted to talk about. I was mentioning some gases that can affect your birds or poison your birds. Um, mm-hmm. One of the ones that I forgot to mention was propane. A lot of people heat their homes with propane and uh, as we all know, a lot of poultry facilities heat with propane and there have been times when Chicks have been in brooder rings around say a propane pan heater and if there's a leak um, because the propane is light, um, has a different density than air, um, the propane gas will dislight, uh, displace the lighter air and cause asphyxiation of the chicks because the chicks are all down close to the ground. Um, so if you are going to use propane um, or anywhere around your chicks, just make sure your equipment is in good working order. Um, I still like the use of brooder rings and pan heaters. They work very well. Um, but, um, you know, it can cause asphyxiation if there is an error somehow in um, the management there. Um, going back to some feed ingredients, um Let's talk about something that a lot of people don't realize is to feed in in erroneous quantities, and that's salt. Um, If you add half a percent salt to a chicken or a turkey ration, it's recommended. But if you go above 2%, that's usually considered a dangerous level. Um, You know, it's, it's not something you want to get wrong when you're adding those ingredients to feed, and chickens won't eat feed if it doesn't have the right amount of salt. Um, they'll eat if they're hungry, but if, they're, if it, the feed is too salty, they'll stop, and they'll start drinking lots and lots of water, which will run right through them, which will lead to wet, messy manure. Um um, so it's just one of those situations where if you all of a sudden see a slick wet floor where your birds are, um, you know, you might want to consider, okay, what's causing this? Um, you know, is is there something in there? Drinking copious quantities of water and stop eating the feed. That's your big, big predictor. Um, if you add 2% of salt to the feed or um, sodium chloride to the feed, um, or even if you add it in the water, you're actually going to affect the growth of the birds. It'll be lower, and if they're laying eggs, the fertility and hatchability of the eggs and the breeding stock will be uh, lowered. If if you do cause, if you do have a situation where you've got a salty protein concentrate, like say fish meal added, um, or it's already got salt in it, then you have to think about that. Um, when you're adding, you know, should I add salt? What is the salt quantity in this ingredient? And, you know, that's that's why we, we have people who go to school for four years to figure out how to be a poultry nutritionist so they they don't end up poisoning the birds or at least severely reducing growth or, or affecting the growth in the long run for the birds. So if you've got um, something where, you know, Maybe birds have accidentally ingested rock salt or salt that you have out for your other livestock. Uh, you might find that the the gut is swollen. Um, in the necropsy, uh, you'll see watery droppings, uh, ascites in the birds, and wet litter. So, um, you know, those are all things that you can have a toxicology report on that'll point you towards. Towards, um hey, I may have a, a bird that didn't make a great decision. It went over and went to town on a, a salt block for your goats or something like that. Um, so <clears throat> another feed ingredient that we have to be really careful with is selenium. If your chickens eat feed that has um, more than five parts per million of selenium, you can actually decrease hatchability, um, causes embryo deformities. It's it's really one of those ingredients, um, one of those minerals where there's a very tight window. You can't play around with it. Um, so beak abnormalities can result um eyes maybe um you know deformed wings feet deformed underdeveloped if you've got 10 parts per million of selenium um in like say a laying ration um you can actually take hatchability down to 0 so it's it's one of those where there are certain regions of our country that are selenium poor and there are certain regions of our country that are selenium rich. I grew up in a selenium rich region um, where none of the feeds needed to have selenium in it. They were getting it from like, say, water sources that naturally and in some areas, you might actually have to remove selenium from, say, water or feed sources. Um, birds that are mature are a little bit more tolerant. To more selenium in their feed, um, so you've got um, uh, maybe maybe one of the things that you're going to notice is um, is one of the you know one of the birds are going to have a drop in their laying. Well, you kind of have to ask yourself: Well, is it time for them to molt, or did I switch to a feed that had maybe levels that are off? Um, so it's it's really bigger problem for those folks who want to breed, um, but can you know? Of course, if they get a hold of of feed that is too high, it can actually affect the birds themselves. Um, another one I'm going to talk about is sulfur. A lot of people used to say, "Oh, I had an old timer who told me let my chickens dust bathe in sulfur. That'll get rid of the mites and lice." Um, It used to be used in broiler houses. They uh, thought it would improve growth rate and feed conversion, get rid of bacteria. Um, They put it on the floor in the litter after the litter was taken out. Um, Then you bring in the the new litter. Um, So, you know, there's a little bit of contact there, and occasionally you get some, some eye problems. So if you're giving your chicken sulfur to dust bathe in, um, you know make check their eyes because that sulfur can kind of um aerosolize a little bit, and you know you don't wanna have any burns there um look underneath the wings and the legs and um you know they may they may huddle a little bit if they're experiencing some of those burns um if if you've got um a commercial situation piling has been known to occur um because if you've got too high of a, a moisture that comes in the air you can get sulfur combining with that and create sulfuric acid. Um that can lead to some burns. So just just understand you're you're playing with something that, that can turn on you given the right conditions. And let's see see how we're doing on time, Andy. Oh, I lost my clock.
0: Let me see. Mm-hmm. i got a question um, for you.
1: What, what, what time, time is it, Andy? Oh, we've got time. a few minutes. Okay. I'll do one more after this.
0: One more and then I've got a question.
1: Okay. So one of the things that a lot of people ask me is, is when they start to use uh disinfectants, um, all the stuff that's on the label can be a little intimidating because it's in tiny writing. There's a lot there. It seems like you can go wrong so many ways. But I can't say how good quaternary ammonia is as a disinfectant ever. You can still make mistakes, and I still tell people read the directions, reread the directions, um, Like say if you've got turkeys and you've got quaternary ammonia levels that are 150 parts per million, um, you can get mortality. Um, You can use quaternary ammonia in the water to clean the water lines. Make sure you clean those water lines out and flush the water lines before you um, allow birds back in there. Uh, You get reduced water intake. You can get nasal discharge, eye discharge, swelling of the face, Gasping, you'll see lesions inside the the body, um, especially around the face and the mouth, um, because that's where they're drinking water. So if you're using quaternary ammonia for cleaning your water lines, um, you know, read the label directions. Get the you know, follow the label directions to the letter. You can also use it to clean out your chicken house, and usually it says, you know, contact time for so many minutes, and then you rinse. So you make sure you don't skip any of those steps, and you should be just fine with your disinfectant. But there you go, Andy. Cool.
0: I've got a a question because this often comes up. People, um, they, they'll, they'll use this. They'll say, "Well, chickens eat." Bugs all the time. It's a part of their natural diet. It's good protein for them. And then they'll buy a bag of feed and they'll open the bag of feed and it'll have some type of critters in it bugs, worms, beetles, something mm. in there. And they'll go Why to the Why are you and-
1: buying that feed? <laughs> <laughs> That's my <laughs> question. So, so they'll, they'll they'll be like, well,
0: uh, I guess I can just go ahead and give this to my chickens because they eat bugs out of the backyard anyway, right? So, mm. I mean, it's just a more protein. Go get your forum. money back. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> you, you can't see the manufacturer date on the bag, look at the tag, see about when it was made, when it was manufactured, and how long it's been sitting down there uh, or at the feed store, if that may be the case or may not be the case. But, um, yeah, so many people just think, oh, well, they eat bugs out of the yard, so there's some bugs in this. Who cares? There will be extra protein for them. So um, what are some things? Um, I, mean, I mean, and some people say. If it's got well, bugs
1: in it, you have to really wonder, all right, there was a breakdown in the system somewhere because mm-hmm. that's not acceptable. Um by any standard, by any feed milling standard, that's not acceptable. And if insects were breeding in there, what have they what is broken down? What else is breaking down in that feed whether it was exposed to moisture or maybe those insects as part of their digestive process um produce something that that causes an additional breakdown of the of the feed you really have to wonder what else is in there and that's that's when you take the feed back and say give me fresh feed i don't want this and if it's been sitting in your your feed storage room for you know 2 or 3 weeks you know was that a bag that you just bought or is it a storage problem that you are having and you have to really look at your your feed storage conditions and what's um what's causing the problems is it what you're doing or what the feed mill is doing and and it's hard to throw away a bag of feed given the price of a bag of feed these days but A lot of people say that their chickens are treated better than commercial birds. Well, you better be able to step up and say that you're being willing to get rid of feed that was not up to snuff when somebody may be willing to get rid of, you know, 10 tons of feed if it wasn't the right feed. If you're not willing to get rid of one bag of feed because you think your chickens eat everything, well, that's an unacceptable practice for a commercial guy. Why would it be acceptable for you?
0: Same thing goes with um, uh, maybe some food that started to mold in the refrigerator. You now you see that often. Can I can I give this to my chickens? I have a picture of it. Oh no! Okay, I have got, no. got whatever, and it's just started to turn bad. It's just starting to mold. Can I give that to my chickens? And then no. sometimes I'll just. And then they'll try to justify that by saying, "Well, uh, they look what they eat out in the wild. That you know, I give them fresh water, and then they go eat this muddy puddled water over here after a rain. And so, so it would be safe to give them this uh, uh, this moldy food." Why right? are They're you letting of-
1: them drink from muddy puddle water? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, you know you see all this stuff and, and you really people you know all the answers are different and so uh, i had you on the line i wanted to give let our listeners have you know because they see this out in the forums as well whether it's be giving them moldy food or giving them oh there's a few bugs in my feed they eat bugs anyway so it must be okay um yeah. I'm trying to of, kind of think kind of think of some others that that actually are posted quite frequently um but, yeah, uh, for fo- the, the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens is a nice uh, chapter in there that shows different types of poisonous plants and so shows a picture of the plant and talks about it as well. So you can find that on Amazon and uh, Lowe's, Home Depot, uh, Tractor Supply, Barnes & Noble and other places. And um, over that, it's got a, a good uh, article in there, a uh, chapter about some poisonous plants and shows some what some are. So, not a uh, complete list. I don't think it, you can find a complete list anywhere, but it has uh, does have a list of some that you might want to uh, consider. So, well, Dr. McCray, thank you very much for coming on the show. Exciting and awesome topic. I don't think we've ever done it before. Hopefully, we'll be have a uh, great and awesome uh, numbers as far as listenership. Most shows do, but uh, this one should be a be a hot one based on the Good. topic. So. Thank Coming on, and we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks.
1: You have a good one, Andy. Thanks for having me.
0: You too. Thanks for coming on, taking your time, and sharing your awesome uh, in-depth knowledge. So uh, yeah, Dr. McCray's been coming on the show a long time. Love it when she's on, just like you do. Interesting topic today, and hopefully you got a lot of answers, uh, <coughs> questions answered, and a lot of information in your Chicken Whisperer study notebook and <laughs> your study guide. Took lots of notes. Well, thanks so much. Uh, hey, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Ooh, that yarn came out of nowhere. Um, Tuesday, I'll be in Noonan. Wednesday, I'll be in Jonesboro. This is Georgia. Noonan, Georgia on Tuesday. Uh, Jonesboro, Georgia on Wednesday. Ballground, Georgia on Thursday. Also, Thursday at 2 p.m. Go to my Facebook page. Sign up for that totally free global webinar on biosecurity. Uh, including salmonella, uh, preparing for the winter, cooler months. Uh, it's free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain with that. And we'll see you on the 2016 Chicken Whisper Tour, sponsored by Kalmbach Feeds. Uh, looking forward to seeing lots of fans here in my home state of Georgia, and then next week, Tennessee, and then South Carolina. And then actually in late September, probably we'll have a few events in Florida to list on our website. So again, thank you so much for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Buck Feeds. God bless everybody. <laughs>